Welcome to Dialed In, a podcast by Callbox, where we talk with dental industry leaders and influencers about the latest trends, technologies, themes, and best practices in the business of dentistry. Be sure to subscribe directly or on your favorite podcast app and visit callbox.com slash dental to learn more about Callbox's innovative solutions for leveraging the phone at your practice. Hi, and thanks for joining us on Callbox Dialed In. I'm Katie Lawrence, Director of Consulting for Callbox. And here with me today, I have Angie D'Antoni and Veronica King of Sala Family Dentistry. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having us. To start out, uh, I thought it would help our listeners just get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, Angie, we'll start with you. Can you tell me how you got to Sala uh, and a little bit more about your current role? Um, well, I have been the marketing director here at Sala Family Dentistry for seven years. I started here, I was doing marketing and sales seven years ago and um, around Reno and Dr. Todd actually um, approached me. They had a part-time marketing director at the time and um, asked me if I would like to kind of learn on the job training. And that's where my journey began here. And seven years later, um, I love it just like the day I started. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I saw on, um, let's see, I think it was on your LinkedIn, maybe somebody noted you as the most energetic marketing director <laughs> they had ever known. So quite the claim to. <laughs> well, I have three boys at home that keep me uh, <laughs> running. So I, I tend to not stop. And, um, you know, in the marketing role, you kind of have to bounce around a lot. And my quick start seems to like that role very well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Always, uh, always good to be able to draw from your uh, home experiences oh, yeah. uh, into I the office. <laughs> yes. Uh, awesome. Veronica, what about you? Tell us um, a little bit about your background and what you do with Sala. Sure. Um, so I've also been with Sala Family Dentistry for seven years now. I started on as a treatment coordinator, and over the last seven years, my role has changed a lot. Um, but I'm currently the admin team leader for the entire front desk, and I work really closely with our inbound call center to get them trained up on our verbiage and processes and just make sure we're taking care of our patients with the best way that we can. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And Sala is really unique in that, uh, right, because you guys are kind of in an expansive and really growing organization, but all under one roof. So are you overseeing, Veronica, that whole team that's on the phones? Correct. Yeah. We have 16 front desk team members and um, I take care of them all. Wow. Okay. That's uh, (laughs) quite the um, undertaking. Can you tell us a little bit about the decision to remain under one roof? Um, Where, you know, where did that decision come from and and how are you guys adapting as you continue to grow? Well, I think for us, the leadership team and the doctors especially, we wanted to really cultivate this positive culture. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot of core values that we live by. And our fear of moving into multiple offices is that maybe that's not going to get transitioned over to the degree that we want to hold people accountable to. Um, really making sure that the culture is there and we can all focus and work on one team for our common goals. It's much easier when you're all one building. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting to hear. I've worked with, um, several different dentist offices who have kind of different 
you know, theories when it comes to that. Certainly we see, you know, some of that accountability, um, you know, just change really, uh, not necessarily better or worse, I would say, but, but change whenever you're in different locations like that. Um, tell me the biggest benefit to you guys for, from the patient experience and maybe from the employee experience. I think it's consistent. Sure. You know, the consistency when you're all under one roof. And with the expansion, when we expanded, you know, there was challenges that went along with just that. And we were all under one roof. So for us, being under one roof and getting the same message and same vision um, and same training for that matter, Mm -hmm. from the patient experience to the tours. We also have under this one roof, we have pedo and ortho and general. So allowing our patients to come in and bring their kids that will have the same experiences that they do as an adult patient, Mm -hmm. um, we just found really beneficial for our community. And then our employees, you know, the training is consistent throughout because we're all together. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, What are you guys doing uh, in terms of training? How are you keeping up with, you know, so many different uh, specialties and and making sure your staff is prepared to handle those? We do both monthly and quarterly trainings. So we have a monthly staff meeting, um, which is another perk of having everybody in one building, we're able Mm -hmm. to all meet frequently enough to stay on the same page. Um, And then we also have an outside company come in once a quarter to help train us on, you know, standard industry stuff as well as patient care. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I find it's really helpful too to have those um, outside uh, trainers come in as well, right? It's kind of that um, they're Switzerland, right? They can kind of be a safe place to come in and say, hey, here are some things you should be working on based on you know, expertise, uh, rather than all of that falling to, you know, a lead admin role. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned earlier, some of that you guys obviously have experienced some challenges in being under roof, under one roof outside of, um, the, you know, training aspect. It sounds like you guys have kind of tackled that one. What other challenges has this brought out for y'all? Well, I would say one is we went from, 20 employees to 60 employees within a matter of eight months. Eight months. Oh, wow. So that kind of growth, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page with the culture and the core values that we had before, it was a lot easier to do with 20 versus now you're at 60. Mm-hmm. So the messaging, we it took us a while to learn the best ways to communicate with everybody. Um, we put a huge emphasis on culture the last year. And, you know, we noticed with more employees, we had to make a very concerted effort with the culture um, just to make sure everybody was getting what they needed from um, their work here and being part of a team. I would say those, you know, those are huge uh, obstacles that we did overcome in the last few months with growing. Yeah. I think another one too was we, you know, our building is a little bit of segments. So we have a pedo ortho wing, we have a general wing, mm-hmm. and then we have a, a hygiene wing. So at the beginning, it was really easy for team members to be in their one area and, and not see past the hygiene department or the general department or the pedo ortho department. Sure. So, you know, keeping everybody 
on a team aspect, I think was a big challenge at the beginning to realizing that there was more than just their area. And then we're all here for the common goal of taking care of the patients and really being a place where we can take care of all patients. Um, But I think at the beginning, that was a big Mm -hmm. struggle for us as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so are your teams um, been like segmented? They have their specific role, um, but, but it sounds like what you're saying is there's maybe you know, the, some crossover to be able to kind of help in, in areas that might need it. Is that, is, am I understanding that? Yeah. And just the sure design of our building, you know, we have a, like I said, a hygiene wing. So all of the hygienists practice out of one portion of the building and all the general doctors practice off another one. And then okay. we have one for the pedo specifically. So, you know, letting people re- getting people to realize that just because you're in the hygiene wing does not mean that you can't work together or work out of a room in the doctor building. Sure. So really more aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I, well, and I bet that, you know, adds to some of that culture development that that you're talking about as well, right? Because there's more yeah. now crossover Absolutely. and there's more people that are kind of um, impacting the overall culture rather than just saying staying more segmented. Um, Definitely. I'm interested to hear how do you guys uh, make sure to maintain that company culture? What are some of the um, you know, you've mentioned you kind of have your, um, you know, your standards and, you know, even maybe some uh, codes that that you guys kind of operate under. But what are some specific things that you guys are doing? Well, we meet once a month. So we close the office once a month. And so all 60 of us are in the conference room upstairs. And, mm-hmm. you know, during those times, we make sure and do years of service and Salastar star and kind of highlighting um, areas where the employees have, you know, gone above and beyond. Mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, we've implemented a culture type calendar. Okay. Where every month we send out a calendar and we launch it at the monthly meeting that it incorporates fun stuff like our local football team dress up in their colors for a home oh, game I love that. or this. Yeah, this month it's on Wednesdays. We wear pink for breast cancer. <laughs> yes, like, what a great movie reference! I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, just kind of doing. We have a pumpkin decorating contest going on right now. Uh, so, doing the internal things, but then also our vision of, um, you know, we incorporated fun, but then also giving back to the community. We yesterday actually our pedo team went to um, our local children's hospital, oh, wow. and we do it about every other month where we go um, about a group of four or five of the employees take you know two hours out of their day and go to the hospital and visit the children in the um, oncology department mm-hmm. and also in the ICU and give them gifts and just try to brighten their oh, day. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. So, you know, just, and then we also, um, a hygienist here adopted or started Smiles for Freedom, mm-hmm. where it's a way that we give back to local servicemen and women in our community. And our entire team, you know, it's a volunteer basis. And um, how many years has it been going, Veronica? Five. five. Yep, so five years. community is a big thing for us. And I think that plays a huge part in our culture. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. It is unbelievable to me. It's like, this is something that I know, obviously, in life, but how much that kind of service, um, you know, attitude and and just that being a priority for a company, that just bonds the employees together in a really different way um, and certainly helps to, you know, 
I encourage that kind of culture within the office as well. So that's incredible. I I, I want to incorporate more of that <laughs> into my life too. So <laughs> call books better watch out. I might be coming to apply with you guys here soon. <laughs> Um, it's not surprising to me to hear that, you know, that you guys care for the community in that way, because obviously, you know, we are, uh, you know, very much connected to um, the care and experience that you guys prioritize uh, in providing to your patients as well. Um, can you talk to me a little bit more about um, just some of your programs that you have in place for uh, patients and how you're you're able to serve? You know, um, obviously, we know of the one where if a patient doesn't have insurance, there's like a membership program for them. Talk to me more about those aspects of patient care. Well, I think that's another thing that makes us unique. And I I really enjoy what we do because we have a strong understanding that if we don't serve the patients well, then we can't serve the employees or the community. Yeah. So we really try to put the patients first. Um, as you mentioned, we have the membership program. So it's a in-house program that patients don't have insurance. It helps them get their preventative care and then we'll give them a discount on any treatment that they need. Um, we also work a lot of extended hours so people can come in before or after mm. work. We're here on Saturdays. Um, Angie's doing a great job of marketing to patients in pain. So if a patient calls and they're in pain, whether it's a new patient or existing patient, um, by 930, we're guaranteed to see them that oh, wow. day. So really making sure we're putting the patient's needs and and what we, you know, on the phone calls, we get a lot of, we need afternoons or we need this. And we really try to listen to that feedback and tailor our provider's schedules to be here when mm. they need us. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, that's one area that I hear um, just in the dental industry as being, you know, such a tricky thing to navigate, um, to be available to the patient uh, when they need it, but also to kind of protect your employees and, and make sure that, um, you know, there's sort of care on both sides. You know, how do you guys navigate those elements? Numbers. We have 60 mm-hmm. employees. So, you know, we have set schedules. And when you're you're hired onto the team and invited to join our family, we're clear that this is, you know, the potential schedule that you're right. going to work, whether it be a Saturday schedule or an evening schedule or a morning schedule. And, um at least for me as a leader of 16 people, I always try to be accommodating um, when they need time off or need a certain schedule request. But I think it definitely is a balance of what the practice needs and what your team members need. But having 16, it makes it a lot easier to find those fill-ins yeah. or um, switch schedules. Yeah, that makes I will sense. say when we adopted Saturdays uh, a few years ago, you know, it was it was in a leadership meeting where we brought up I, I actually brought it up because I was hearing on the phone calls, people were asking for Saturdays. Oh, wow. And there was a lot of resistance, rightly so, because when you add that <laughs> sixth day, the whole hiring dynamic and covering shifts changes yeah. dramatically. And it's that has been a bigger challenge. I mean, Veronica does a phenomenal job of navigating that scheduling because it's, it's a big beast to tackle. Um, but when we sat down and we've you know, not recently, but in years kind of looked at, does Saturdays make sense? And we always come back to absolutely yes, because it is a day that the patients really, really appreciate. They request, um, you know, kids that need to get their ortho um, appointments in and don't want to miss school. We have that available for them. So when it comes down to it, we really, you know, yes, it can be a hiring, juggling, um, (laughs) not a nightmare, but a challenge. It comes down to 
we're serving the patients and the needs of our community. And Saturday is one of our busiest days. Wow. So it sounds like obviously there's been an influx of uh, patients by offering those extended hours. Um, you know, how has that impacted y'all's overall just revenue goals and, and numbers? Well, we're getting uh, much closer at hitting all of our lofty goals. Sure. <laughs> That's always uh, good. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. It sounds like you guys are kind of a reach for the stars organization. So, Absolutely. Um, and I think we do a good job of setting those goals. But again, mm-hmm. when you make it around the patient, um, those numbers come. So mm-hmm. when we we do see turnover at the front desk or we're having um, whatever issue it is that we're coming up against, if we don't address those with the team on how to better serve the patients, then the numbers just don't match up. So sure. The, the more patients we serve, the more phone calls we answer, the more people we okay. schedule is truly the only way we can ever get to those goals. And I, I personally love that that's what we focus on versus okay. the numbers. And we focus less and less recently on the numbers and more the culture mm. and having fun as a team. And like Veronica said, by doing that, everything else kind of follows. Um, but we're not I – mean, we're very goal-driven, but we're focusing more on – how to serve our team and our employees um, and have fun with it. And then also, you know, combining with the patients and everything else um, just gets better with that. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, Well, you guys have mentioned the phone a few times. Uh, Obviously, if we're seeing an increase in patients, um, that, that comes from an increase in people calling, right? Um, So talk to me a little bit about your focus, you know, on phone handling specifically. And where, you know, and when maybe did you guys start to identify this was a need for you to focus in on the phone? Um, and, And talk to me a little bit about kind of the evolution in your phone processes. Dr. Jason calls the, uh, I call it the Welcome Center just simply because it's an inbound call center and that's where they sit, Um, but the Mm -hmm. directors of first impressions. And I think that that really describes at least how we view the phones. Um, I have worked in other offices and, you know, had employees that say other offices, the phone's more of a nuisance. It's bothering them because it's ringing, but we look at it as it's an opportunity to serve someone and get a patient in. Um, so when you are able to train your team to think that and really dedicate a few people in, on the team to just work on the phones, mm-hmm. it's really easy to make it a priority and focus on not, you know, handling it well enough that the patient wants to come in, or even if it's not about scheduling, just making sure that we're taking care of the person. Sure. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Did you say the directors of first impressions? I did. I love that phrase so much. I I mean, I hope that's not patented. I'm about to steal it so I can start using it other places. Um, it's such a great philosophy, right? Because that is the entry point for, you know, patients coming in. And so if you lose that um, mentality there or the ability to see the opportunity that that ringing phone can be, um, then you're going to lose a lot of of patience in that, right? Mm-hmm. How do you keep that top of mind for your welcome center employees, for these directors of first impressions? How do you make sure that's in their head when that phone rings? It's a constant discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We train on it a lot. We talk about it monthly. Um, since we switched over to Callbox, we've been able to look at individuals' metrics and really listen to the phone calls and use that data to show what we're doing really, really well at and where we need to focus on. And so having the metrics behind it um, to kind of go to individual people and let them know this this is what you're doing really well, this is what we can work on, but just constantly bringing it up and talking about it. Sure. Um, you know, I we have a great team and they want to serve patients and they want to do really well on the phones. And so I feel very blessed that we're we have such a um, open-minded team and they, they take training really well. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me, um, you know, you're, you've mentioned how you've been able to kind of leverage some of the Callbox data and platform. What does that look like in your day-to-day? Oh, it's huge. I mean, we, we send out an end-of-day report where we track how many inbound calls we had, how many were missed. Um, you know, how are we handling those phone calls? Uh-huh. A lot of the metrics, um, when you guys were here with us a couple months ago talking about it, we've utilized that in our monthly meetings. And um, again, I looking at an individual's performance is probably one of the best things that could ha- help me as a leader. Um, then I'm going based on facts and not feelings. And we're able to uh-huh. one, where we need to praise and train where we need to train. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So Veronica, what would you say is your number one phone handling tip or advice for other practice managers? What have you learned that, you know, if they could take one thing away, what would it be? Um, Well, I think I already said it, but that the phone's an opportunity. Mm. Um, I know a lot of our office's structures might be different than ours, where the person answering the phone is also checking patients in and checking patients out and trying to deal with insurance. Um, And so it can seem kind of like an annoyance, but Uh realizing it's an opportunity to allow you to do all those other things for your patients, I think is, is definitely key. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Angie, what about for you? Where does um, Callbox fit into your life in terms of, you know, marketing and and making plans for, you know, your next goals there? Well, I I can tell you before callbacks, you know, we've tried a few different and it was, um, it's a challenge when you don't know if your marketing is working because then you're (laughs) flying blind. Sure. And so yeah, that makes sense. Something out and you don't know, like, did I get phone calls? Did this work? Um, It's interesting because since implementing callbox, we, I knew our social media ads were working, mm-hmm. but I didn't know to the extent. And because of Callbox, we were able to see how many uh, patients, new patients, are going from Facebook or Google ads or display ads mm-hmm. straight to our website. So I knew our website traffic was up, but you know, I don't know where to invest more money in and what is working unless I have the information and the call tracking behind it to tell me this is what works or a postcard that went out and, you know, I can track different verbiage and see, well, this one worked better than that one. So let's, you know, let's keep working with this one. Um, it's, it's tremendous to know where to invest the money and maybe other marketing things that didn't work and you know not to try that again. And it's all because of the phone calls. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. One of the um, pieces that you're talking about here is our uh, website calls feature. I was just talking to um, a marketing director last week, actually, about website calls and the importance of, you know, tracking, um, you know, not only organic, but obviously your paid search 
as well, right? To know where should I be putting my money? Um, so that's that's cool to hear it kind of in action. Um, in in terms of, you know, goal setting for you, I, I mean, how does that process work? Um, and, and how are you making sure that you're, you know, using your marketing dollars in the right spots? Uh you know, that's a great question. Over seven years, obviously, how we've spent money and the avenues that we've spent it in have changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, without knowing the calls, and you, we can kind of look and say, okay, well, we tried a billboard. The calls, it, we just didn't see it in our market that it would, um, it made sense. But because of you know, the call platform, we were able to see postcards. This certain postcard worked better than others. Um, these zip codes mm-hmm. work better than other market too. Um, we're also able to see. I mean, right now we're putting a lot of emphasis on online, whether it be our SEO, our website, um, and our social ads. And we're noticing, you know, that's really where we're getting a lot of our new patients and calls. And so it allows us to look at our budget because you know, with an office of, we get an average of 180 to 200 calls every day. Uh-huh. Wow. And so to really know where they're coming from and yeah. you know, I have a very I have a, a good marketing budget and it's nice not to fly blind and plan out. I mean, every month I plan out where to spend and then look at the return year mm-hmm. after year and see if it makes sense to keep spending in that area. Sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um and I think you hit on, you know, a key piece that we're seeing in the industry is just this like crazy evolution of um, the patient behavior is really changing. Um, and so it is imperative. Like we have to have marketing metrics um, ongoing, right, to be able to know where to make adjustments um, and and truly what the patient is doing. You know, last year, two years ago, um, you know, that's that's not giving us as much information about today. And so having that month over month reporting to be able to track what that patient is is doing um, and where we're going to get new patients is is so key. So um, that's yeah. smart. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what's coming up next for Asala? What are you guys' next big initiatives um, or maybe, you know, some upcoming goals that you're looking to accomplish? Well, we just... I'll, I'll say we Q3 was a big quarter for us. We just right. finished Salapalooza, and that was our big patient appreciation event um, where we invite the community to spend an afternoon with us in the park. We have food trucks. We had 1,200 people there. Oh, wow. Um, this year, in fact, they told us that, you know, year after year now we have to rent out the whole park because it's gotten so Oh, big. my gosh. <laughs> That's a great Each problem to have. <laughs> it, it definitely yeah. is. It definitely is. Um, you know, each quarter we we kind of look at the quarter as a whole and kind of focus on what we're going to do from culture, from marketing, and from our existing patients. Um, in terms of growing the practice and kind of training, you've touched on that. We're gonna we actually have an all office training tomorrow, where we're looking at things to um, streamline and make our office more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we're also, you know, every month I have to look at the schedule from a marketing perspective of what area needs help. And we analyze this constantly. You know, right now our hygiene department is full. We're booking months out. It's um, it's a great problem to yeah. have. 
but that also means we can, it's a, a little bit more challenging to get new patients sure. in. So we're really focusing on having new a balance, having new patient holds, but making sure our existing patients are being taken care of right away. Um, and then on the flip side, we're looking at the pedo ortho department and the ortho department, you know, they, they want to focus on Invisalign days mm -hmm. and getting people in before Christmas. Um, and then they actually came up with an initi initiative themselves to give back to the community. So as Veronica touched on, we have so many different little areas within this one roof mm -hmm. and everybody comes together to support each department in different ways. <clears throat> Sorry. And so coming up is going to be more ortho and pedo. Mm -hmm. um, we need a little bit more attention. So as a leadership team with the doctors, we really have to analyze it weekly and sure. you know, make a quick shift if a certain department needs a little bit more attention than others. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, just as you guys are continuing to grow, um, I mean, what, what does more growth look like for salad? Does it look like adding more doctors? Is it, you know, potentially more locations down the road? Are you planning to stay under one roof? What does the future look like for you guys? I would imagine probably, like Angie said, really growing our pedo ortho department. Mm -hmm. If we're going to add potential doctors, I'm thinking that might be the spot. Sure. Um, we're not quite as open as the general dentist and hygiene um, side of things. So expanding just to allow more hours of opportunity to see more pedo and orthodontic patients. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as the team, I just think it's, it's opportunities. We talk about it a lot, you know, as we grow, there's new needs, the practice needs um, operations or someone to move into a different role. And that just means a lot of new opportunities for our current staff um, so that we can invest in their growth as well as the growth of the practice. Yeah, that's awesome. Makes a lot of sense. And I would say, you know, right now there's no, um, we're not looking to go expand in terms of other locations, um, but you never know what, <laughs> you know, what the year Right. Yeah, that's so true. I know it's, you know, if we could predict the future, then a lot of things would probably be different, but um, it's Sounds like it's a really exciting time, though, uh, for, you know, your practice and for you two as just individuals in your, you know, careers. I know you guys are kind of on the, the cutting edge of, of what dentistry is um, today and is going to be. So uh, that's exciting. I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time um, to chat with us today and to share some of your, you know, secrets and in, in how uh, Sal has been able to be just super successful. So thank you. Thanks for having Absolutely. us too. Absolutely. Again, uh, this is Katie Lawrence here with Angie D'Antoni and Veronica King of Sala Family Dentistry. Uh, thanks for joining us on this episode of Callbox Dialed In. Thanks for listening to Callbox Dialed In. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on future episodes, subscribe directly or on your favorite podcast app. Callbox is a comprehensive tool used by more than 5,000 dental practices and DSOs to optimize phone handling processes, increase appointments, and improve caller experience by providing insight into every patient phone call. To learn more, visit us at callbox.com dental.